future Hall of Fame linebacker Bobby Wagner signing with the Los Angeles Rams and draft notes and trends on every team in the AFC coming up on today's Peacock and Williamson. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is an annual event, Matt. The Draft Diddy. It's something you've been doing for a long time. It's one note on every team in the NFL as it pertains to their NFL drafts and maybe a historical note, um, you know, a trend that a team trend, is going yeah. through, right? Yeah. So uh, these are always really fun, and I, I love that you put this together every year. Yeah, and again, my process really is go to drafthistory.com, pull up a team, stare at it for a while, and see what jumps out at me. And sometimes they aren't super exciting. Sometimes it's, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> um, so I'm excited to get into it. It's a fun show gives every team a little nugget about what's been going on in their draft lately. And I, I realize some of these things like the Giants haven't drafted a linebacker since Carl Banks in the first round. It's not one person that's been in charge since then. You know, there's a lot of changes in these front offices, but it still contributes a lot to how the team that we're looking at was built recently. A quick note that might change things. I don't know if it'll relate to your uh, Los Angeles Rams draft Diddy, Matt, but the rich get richer, according to Richard Sherman. It was the Los Angeles Rams that barely beat out the Ravens. The May, the Ravens apparently made a last wow. minute push to uh, to go get Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner, yeah. yeah. And Bobby Wagner has now signed five year wait five year fifty million dollar deal. Is it? It's is whatever it is. It's that's not yeah. the real contract. It's going to be a two year contract. It's not the real right? contract. Yeah. I almost didn't bring up the contract because it's like he's not going to see all that money. I mean, like I, I don't buy that at all. So whatever. And by the way, Richard Sherman's been doing this this offseason, and uh, I know he had aspirations of being maybe in a front office at some point in his career. I wonder if he's got like a maybe an Adam schefter sort of a role coming in his career. He's breaking some news as well, and I know he has been a guy who did his own contract. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Bobby Wagner did the same. He might have. I think he's done I, his I, last two contracts. So Richard Sherman and Bobby Wagner. I don't know if they were in cahoots together there in Seattle and, and came up with this idea and uh, decided to be their own agents. But I know Richard Sherman has done it in the past. And it looks like Bobby Wagner has done his last two deals as well. And so I think his, his last deal was three years, $54 million, And it would look like a pay cut, but then it would take him to age 38 if it was a five-year $50 million deal, right. 10 per. So you know what the Rams are doing here. And there's some funny money on the end. So if I'm guessing it's, 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 you know, over 10 million per year for a couple of years and that'll be the contract. Yeah. And it's funny. You mentioned Schefter for Sherman. My thoughts were he's setting himself up to be an agent. You know, I mean, he's brokering all these deals on the internet and he's a smart dude from Stanford. And that might be a transition we see in a year or two is he may have a long list of clients wanting to work for uh, work with Mr. Sherman. I like that idea a lot. Um, when, when it comes down to the Rams and Ravens, to me, it seems like Wagner was only looking at contenders. You know, there's yeah. probably only a couple people he would consider. 
he's not going to Jacksonville or Houston just to play out one more year. I mean, he doesn't have to do that. You can see what his intentions are. Let's win this thing. He picked the team that is currently the champion. I don't think that's an accident. No offense to the Ravens, who are also a good landing spot. Um, again, the money to me is all made up. I, I really don't care. It's just very much a, a Rams move. Yeah. And I think we t- we turned off the podcast yesterday saying, you know, we went through a lot of the available free agents, and you mentioned Rams and Wagner. And it might even been the last thing I said on the whole podcast was, boy, that's such a Rams move. You know, just go get another veteran that's hungry, that's still playing well, not quite where he was at a need position, stars and scrubs. You know, it's a Rams move all day long. And to add to the Ramsiness of this move, also not a factor in the comp pick formula because he was released exactly. and he wasn't an unrestricted free agent. Exactly. I'm glad you beat me to that because <laughs> it's a big deal. And some of these teams, the Rams and Ravens are the masters of it. Does this change? The, the reason I went to the Richard Sherman report of this uh, was because I hadn't heard the Ravens part of this. Does this change how you look at the Ravens draft? If they're looking at a big time linebacker, do you think maybe someone like Devin Lloyd might be in play for them at 14? They just drafted uh, yeah, Queen. Maybe, maybe. I mean, Queen is different than these guys. Queen's a little more of the 220 run and hit guy, and he's gotten better, but he hasn't taken the league by storm. The rest of the group are, you know, okay. My thought originally, that's a good angle because I didn't think of that. Maybe Lloyd would make sense for them. My hunch is they would look for a bigger guy. It would be Lloyd over Dean, um, kind of to your point there. But I also wonder – do they just want leaders in the front seven? You know what I mean? Like Calais Campbell's gone and they didn't bring back to Jerry Smith. And like, who are the, the Ravens, you know, the true trendsetters. And I'm not comparing them to Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and Suggs, but they always have dudes that have been around the block yeah. that have had a lot of success on defense. Veterans, winners, locker room guys, yeah. you know, plug and play. You can win with these dudes. And maybe that's just the angle of it. And who knows? Maybe it's the opposite. They're trying to go veteran route at linebacker. So they don't have to draft a linebacker high. Yeah, and that's possible too. Um, although I think the second I, I, I harp on this all the time, the second day linebackers in this class are where I want to go shopping. I mean, I think it's a great area. Although the LSU kid, Damone Clark, is now you know has serious injury issues, but that's one guy that's out of the equation. But there's still eight to ten day two linebackers that I would love to add. And off ball linebackers tend to fall a little bit. I think one or right. two might go in the first round, but who knows? I mean, there's a, there's a chance that they all get into day two. You know, I think it's possible. I think Devin Lloyd goes in round one. And N'Kobe Dean, just because of his size, he might not be for everybody. He could start to slide at least toward the end of round one, at least in the 20s, right? So, yeah, um, day two is the Real place quick to go shopping for, you for on linebackers. That. I meant to bring this up when we were dueling our mock drafts because I only had Lloyd go in the first round. I had him go to the Eagles, who never use first-round picks on linebackers. I had a hard time finding landing spots for Lloyd and Dean. Did you as well? I did. That's why they both fell. And I think Lloyd was the very last pick of the first round to the Lions just because, and he was the first linebacker taken. I couldn't find a perfect spot for him. Uh, I do like him, you know, maybe that that, that third first round pick for the Eagles, something like that. Definitely in the the second half of round one, I think he could go anywhere. Um, And I think he's a valuable modern day linebacker. He can rush, he can cover, he he can do a little bit of everything. I think everything, every team's going to like him. It's just off ball linebackers tend to be not as valued as they once were. Um, but it's also harder to find the guys that can kind of do it all like that. But yeah, it was hard to find a place for 
linebackers. And in the end, I just gave him to the Lions because it was just just add good players, go best player available there. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, if Dean or Lloyd sitting there in the last pick in the first round, you know, that could be your defensive leader for years to come for the Lions. But I had a hard time finding spots for them. You know, I thought about New England. I mean, there's a couple, but there's not obvious landing spots. And there's other positions that also are needs that, you know, a team might go offensive tackle, a team might go edge rusher, a team might go wide receiver. If, you know, if, if, uh, if the, the positional value is the tiebreaker in both of those positions or needs and the draft is deep at those other positions. Yeah, good point. 100% agree. Well, speaking right. of draft, we got some trends here to dig into. Yeah, right? it's draft yeah. diddy time. The annual Matt Williamson draft diddy. One draft note on every team in the NFL, starting with the AFC next. Not only the Final Four and the end to the NCAA tournament, which is one of the most fun things to wager on throughout the sporting year, including live betting, but there are tons of draft props going up all the time at Bet Online, your number one source for everything sports betting and not just wagering, but news and information. Which team will select Kenny Pickett? Which team will select Malik Willis? The over-under on when the first running back will be selected. Who will that be? Brees Hall? Kenneth Walker? You can find all kinds of props at Bet Online, And it's not just about football or basketball. There is Major League Baseball getting started. Hockey, UFC, boxing, your favorite Vegas casino games as well. You want to play poker and blackjack while you wait for those games to finish? You can do that at Bet Online. So get over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action at Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen every day. Make sure you're following along to Locked On NFL. A lot of draft coverage coming up, and it is your Locked On experts in less than 30 minutes every Monday through Friday and free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, just like this show and all of the programs on the Locked On Podcast Network. Matt, do you want to remind the folks out there or maybe some new listeners to Peacock and Williamson that haven't heard your uh, podcast for years and haven't ridden your musings for years what the draft diddy is all about yeah and i I do some team needs for a draft publication so i have to turn this stuff in and figured i'd just reflect it or share it with all of you guys and it's been a yearly thing now five six seven years in a row i mean it's probably the longer time gets away from you and one of the things they want when you open up their magazine is Give me like one line about this team that's kind of a trend or a, a something you've seen. And again, like I said, to start the show, my process is I pull up all the recent drafts and I just stare at them, you know, and figure out what jumps out at me. Let's go AFC by division, alphabetical, then we'll hit NFC next. That means we're going AFC East. Buffalo Bills, what was the note you found and the trends that are happening here in the AFC East? And again, some of these are a little bit of a reach. I have to come up with 32 of them, and some of them don't have jump-off-the-screen trends. But I thought this one was interesting because it brings on a, a different conversation. There's a theory out there that for the 99% of the time I subscribe to that assuming you have your full gamut of picks, you should draft one offensive lineman every year, no matter what. I mean, because they're just so hard to find. Keep bringing in a young guy, even if it's a flyer on a seventh-round pick throw them on the practice squad, but the Bills have only selected three offensive linemen total in their past five drafts. And the reason I picked that for them was they had an off season or two when they went out and signed 
eight gazillion linemen, Mitch Morse and all these other dudes, and just threw that was when Allen was developing. So this class, you know, this counts in the last five classes. They just decided to spend money on him instead of draft picks because they were looking for a quick fix. And they didn't go sign Anthony Munoz. They signed six guys that are all borderline and see what sticks. It's funny because the when you first brought this up, I thought, well, Buffalo has needed offensive linemen through that time, so it's wild that they only drafted three. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, they went the veteran route. They wanted to have guys who could come in and play. And I kind of subscribe to the theory of the offensive line isn't five players. It's one unit. So I, I like the idea of not having a superstar left tackle and then a scrub right tackle, right? I, I would rather have just solid across the board, five offensive linemen, no necessarily, you know, superstar strengths, but no weaknesses either. And I think that's the way the Buffalo has gone about building their offensive line. I, I want someone to remind us this for the, the dull times in, in June and July. But if I had a hundred pennies and I got to put them all on left tackle, right tackle, guard, guard center, It'd be close to 2020, 2020. You know, right. I'd probably be a little heavier at center, a little heady, heavier at left tackle, maybe 22 cents on a right tackle. But by no means would I have 60 cents on a left tackle right. and a nickel on my right guard. Absolutely. Well put. Yeah. My, and I, I think that's what they were doing, especially because they had a young quarterback. So give me a bunch of veterans right. that don't stink. Exactly. Miami Dolphins. Similar. You know, they, well, actually the opposite. In 12 of their last 13 drafts, the with one of their first two picks, so basically a top 50 pick, they've drafted a lineman, D or O. So basically every year with the first two picks, for over well over a decade, they've brought in a high-priority lineman. And their O-line was the worst in the league last year, by the way. <laughs> it hasn't helped. <laughs> now that I think yeah. about it, yeah. <laughs> uh, in Miami, it feels like recently they've said, you know what, just letting the draft come to us hasn't worked great, so let's go make things happen. They did it last mm-hmm. year in the draft. They did it this year with trading away some picks to get uh, you know star players. So, uh, interesting. They signed some O-linemen this offseason, you know. Yep, yeah, and, and go in the free agent route instead. So maybe they're like, you know what, Buffalo's doing it better than we are in the offensive line, so let's do what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the New England Patriots. Uh, they're another comp pick extraordinaire type team. They've also done a lot of trading down over the years. So with the exception of 2017, and I think that might've been the deflate gate year when they got picks taken away, the Patriots have selected at least nine players in every draft since 2014. Selecting nine players is hard. They only give you seven. So if you've done nine or more every year since 2014, except for 2017, that's bringing in a lot of youth that's cheap. Every year, every year, teams at the top of the second round knew they could call the Patriots and get back into the first round if they wanted yeah, to. They've exactly. moved, they moved well down said. so much. And for so long, it worked so well, and they were able to draft a lot of players. And even with all the extra picks, there was a point where they just had a really bad spell, even with the extra picks, and did not draft well for a while. And the roster fell no. apart. And I think that's why you saw last year they went a little heavier in free agency than they usually do. And they had to try to rebuild that thing. But they got themselves a quarterback last year, so maybe they're back on track. Maybe, maybe. Um, the Jets are interesting, speaking of quarterbacks. So since 2007, that's a long time. They've used their first pick on a quarterback twice, most recently Zach Wilson, and then Mekhi Becton last year. But other than that, their, de- their, their first pick has been used on a defensive player every single season since 2007. 
but they still haven't drafted a cornerback in the top three rounds since Dexter McDougal in 2014. <laughs> Whoever that is. I love, I love that <laughs> Dexter McDougal came up as a name I did not expect to see today. And, <laughs> I wow. didn't either. Um, yeah, that's very interesting. And in my mock draft, I had him taking a cornerback at yeah, number four. Right. So we'll see if, if that is what happens here with the Jets. And again, a team that has had a bad spell. You look at all the bad teams and they just haven't drafted well. Um, that is exactly. You think they'd have a better defense, kind of yeah. like you think the Dolphins would have a better O line. Right. I mean, if you're just going to keep going back to that well. And but, look, since you know, you 2007, go. you're talking about the Rex Ryan era, and that was obviously like loading up on defense as much as possible. And, uh, you know, they missed on so many different players. It's crazy. It is. It is. And again, if you miss on a defensive guy, maybe you have to go back to that well and back to that well. You know, and it wasn't a corner. And, and actually, going back before that, there was uh, who was the corner they drafted in the first round out of Alabama? Um, Oh yeah, he did not work out. Yeah, that was like 2012. That was right before Dexter McDougal. So that it's not like yeah. McDougal was the only corner that didn't turn out well. They they had a few of those. Um, Milliner, D Milliner. Yep, D Milliner yep. did not work out well. Boy, they had some busts. I mean, oh, I'm thinking gosh. a lot of the man really bad. Unbelievable. Uh, how about those Baltimore Ravens? Uh, I enough of the comp pick conversation, Williamson. But <laughs> here's a great example. I mean. Over the last eight drafts, the Ravens have made 77 draft picks, and they have a ton this upcoming year. That's just under 10 players per year they bring in in the draft. That they get to pick, bring in, you know their contract, and that contract doesn't change for four or five years. It's good business, man. Great business. Generally, all the teams that we talk about that do that uh, are good franchises, good teams. It doesn't always work out perfect, but that is... Over, you, you talked about when you if you were just building a team from scratch and you talked about the pennies and where you'd put them, uh, that would be another, you know, if I got a GM job, that would be a mission statement. And maybe it doesn't always go that way, but the smart teams are, are picking more often than the bad teams. 100%. Once in a while, there's a, fl- a fly in the ointment. Like last year, the Patriots went on a spending spree, you know, because they had the money. My Steelers actually spent money this year, so they probably won't get a cap pick. You know, like once in a while, the door opens and you have to spend and yeah. it screws it up. But, and it's not know, always, yeah, you don't want to be right. so hard and fast that you don't, like Bill Walsh was always a trade down guy, but guess what? He did trade up once and it was for Jerry Rice. So, you know, it's not always, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't, it's Guidelines. not 100% of the time. Yeah. How about those Cincinnati Bengals? Their trends are very obvious. And I'm, I bet, I'm, I'm wondering if they bucket this year because. In 2011, they opened the draft by taking A.J. Green and Andy Dalton. Swell. Okay. Including that draft, 16 of the Bengals' first tw- – or 16 of the 20 first two selections in every draft have been offensive players. And then those other four were all defensive backs. So they haven't used a top two pick on a front seven player since 2011. And a very, very high percentage of them are on offense. And – Clearly, they're reaping the benefits of that now. I wonder, but they just going to take a corner at the end of first round. You know, like they put a lot of emphasis on corners, but not front seven guys in the draft. Which is kind of insane. Most teams, the opposite. You look at it, they're skewed toward the front seven. Exactly, right. exactly. Then, and their philosophies are pretty clear, though. How about those Cleveland Browns? What's the what's the trend there in Cleveland? <laughs> this goes back to them being a bad franchise. I mean, it's... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Since 2013, they've had a dozen first-round picks, which is obviously a lot. And 
if you look at them, there's some Brandon Whedon's and Trent Richardson's and, you know, some really bad selections in oh, there. Johnny Manziel. Manziel. Uh, yeah. Who was the corner out of Ohio State, the returner? Yeah. Uh, he was uh, a good returner. Justin. Um, man, he man he washed out fast. Real fast. But anyway, of their dozen first-round picks in that stretch, six are on offense, six are on defense. So they spread the wealth. A lot of quarterbacks, though. Justin Gilbert. That was the name. Yeah. Didn't last at all. Which is, you know, that's why teams should get worried about those prospects where they're not sure if football it means everything to them. I mean, that, that's like the number one yeah, thing yeah, you exactly. have to cross off the list, especially if you're going to be drafting a first-round player. And, and there was a lot of weirdness with a lot of those guys. Johnny Manziel, Justin Gilbert, um, drafting a 30-year-old quarterback in Brandon Whedon. That guy turned 30 his rookie season. There's just like some very simple things when you look back and you're like, oh, my God, it's not like bad luck. You were terrible at drafting. Exactly, exactly. What's the trend with your Pittsburgh Steelers? Before last year when they took Najee Harris in the first round, and I'm going to include using your first-round pick to trade for Minka Fitzpatrick, they went eight years in a row using a first-round pick on a defensive player. And it's pretty good defense. You know, it's Edmonds and Watts, and, you know, they've been pretty good players. Cam Hayward. You know. I would love to see that going back to the, the 70s. I mean, this is that's an organizational, deep, deep, yeah. deep embedded philosophy. I wonder, like, there's been three coaches in my lifetime. If I look at, and they almost always only have one first-round pick. If I look at every first-round pick since Chuck, Chuck Noll was hired, I bet 70% of them are on defense, just yep. a hunch. Mm-hmm. They've had good defenses my whole life. Yeah, and they probably always will. You know, it's just part of what they, they're into. One last AFC North note about the Ravens and the comp picks. Like, not only do they get fourth and fifth-round picks in the comp game, but they get tons of thirds, high ones, too. So... They've made 12 third-round picks over the last five years. I mean, they only give you one. You should Most teams make one and or five over five years. They made a dozen third-round picks in the last five years. So we're talking more than two on average. That's insane. On average, right. Yeah. I mean, that's a sweet spot to get quality starters. Oh, yeah. Cheap. You should still be trying to draft starters or really, like, really important backups or players who are uh, developmental players that become, you know, important foundational pieces for your roster on day two. You're expecting to still get some, which is why I don't like when people punt those day th- two picks, those third-round picks and and right. throw a, a you know a, a kicker into the mix or something like that even though if you get a good kicker they can they can play for a you know a decade or whatever but when when people draft just bad quarterbacks they're like oh you know let's draft a backup quarterback no get starters on day two yeah no i 100 i mean how many third round quarterbacks really hit you know next afc south and the afc west then on monday we'll come back and get matt williamson's nfc draft diddy Are you looking for a snack that tastes great and is good for you? A snack that's low in calories, low in sugar, low in net carbs, yet high in protein and will keep you satisfied? Look no further than Built Bars. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and is wrapped in 100% real and delicious chocolate, which really sets it apart from just about everything else that exists on the market. You compare it to other protein bars, lower in calorie, lower in sugar, lower in net carbs, yet still high in protein, 17 grams of protein in most Built Bars, and it completely destroys everything you're looking for in a healthy snack versus candy bars. So go find all those unhealthy treats in your house and replace them with Build Bars. 
Not sure what flavor you want? The new Built Bar Puffs? Or I love some of the classic flavors. Peanut butter, cookies and cream, mint brownie, raspberry. You can get a mixed box of Built Bars as well if you're not sure at Built.com. And you can get 15% off using our promo code. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Rolling on with Matt Williamson's draft ditties, one note, one trend on every team as it pertains to the NFL draft. We are into the AFC South and the Houston Texans, Matt. Yeah, and this is about to change, and it's long overdue, and it contributes to why the Houston Texans have had such a bad roster right now, is over the past four years, the earliest that Houston has made a selection of any kind was the 23rd pick overall. And over that four-year stretch, their average first pick is at 49.5 overall. So for a four-year stretch, they're basically set, you know adding the 50th best player in the draft as their best guy every year. And, and since drafting Kevin Johnson in the first round of 2015, the Texans have also only used one pick in the top four rounds on a cornerback. That's almost like the O-line conversation. Throw an early pick at a cornerback when in doubt, and they haven't. You want to look at these draft ditties and say, okay, which one of these teams has a bad roster? You go, oh, the two, the Houston Texans have an awful roster, obviously, right? And they do. <laughs> right. That's pretty amazing. How about those Indianapolis Colts? Well, this is definitely a trend because mostly been this, this current front office. So over the last four drafts, they've made two first-round picks, but they made 10 second-round picks. You know, it was a lot of trading out around one. Give me a couple of future seconds. And then they started fishing for quarterbacks, and now they're not doing that formula anymore. Although I, they don't have a they don't have a first round pick right now, but they have a second, so it's going to keep up a lot more seconds and firsts. <laughs> yeah, yep, and it's absolutely going to continue. And the quarterback dance with the Colts is this is an all timer. It's pretty amazing to see year after year. And obviously Matt Ryan, I don't know if it's going to be actually the first quarterback to play to start two straight years for them, going all the way back to uh, Andrew Luck's devastating injury whenever that was 2015 I think it was it's been a while yeah, now yeah. and new quarterback every single year for the Colts even if Matt Ryan sticks around for two years they're, they're going to be looking for another quarterback eventually soon so that's just going to continue just going to continue and this is about as inept as you could get when we talk Jacksonville so we all know they have the first pick in this upcoming draft so let's include that their average first selection has been made at 6.3 overall since 2012. I mean, that's a decade where you average the 6.3 overall pick. And let's remember, in 2018, they picked 29th overall after a long playoff run. So if you take that one year out in this decade, the, the Jaguars average owning the fourth pick overall in the draft. I mean, that's just terrible. It's amazing because it's almost the opposite but equally bad with the Texans because the Texans haven't had an yeah. opportunity to draft good players. The Jaguars have had numerous time and time again opportunities to draft good players and still haven't put together a really great roster. And we'll see if that number one pick from last year uh, to go with the number one pick from this year finally puts them over the hump and they get some superstar players and they've added a lot in free agency to fill out the rest of the roster. Let, let's see if they continue to draft in the top 6.3 overall. It's been pretty amazing and, and pretty uh, inept, I think, is the word you use. And I think that's perfect for what the Jaguars have been recently yeah, over a decade i mean it's not a two or three bad stretch you yeah know, like, boy i feel bad for these guys like, it's it's multiple coaches multiple gms it's, yeah it's been a while i mean there was a long stretch there during that time where houston was at least 
going to the playoffs and the J.J. Yeah. Watt, Andre Johnson. I mean, it wasn't a decade. Right, because they had good players before down. that, and they hit on Watt, and they hit on some good players, and they had their quarterback that they drafted in 2017, so at least they hit on that previously, and they were trying to build around them, and then maybe really made some bad decisions and, and didn't build around those guys as well as they should have. But for the Jaguars, they didn't even have a starting place with any star players. Right, exactly. I mean, they're just drafting bad dudes, or the good ones they draft, they trade away. They trade away, or, yeah. You know, right, right, right. You know. <laughs> they finally get one, and they're like, well, <laughs> trade him away for two picks that we're going to botch. Yeah, right. I mean, send Henderson to the Panthers, and oh, no, who knows what happens to him, but okay. Uh, Tennessee, um, they have some trends for sure. So, of their last 11 first picks, only three have been on defense. And also, since 2013, the Titans' first pick has been used on an offensive lineman four times. So it might be again this year. Like, I don't think it would shock anyone if the Titans' first pick is an O-lineman. So since 2013, four first-round picks on O-lineman. Yeah, it's a weird roster because they've spent mm-hmm. resources on both offense and defensive lines in the front seven on defense. And you can tell organizationally they feel like that's important, but they've also still had holes constantly and sort of a revolving door players coming in and out and you know they need to pay some guys so they can't pay everybody kind of thing so uh yeah very interesting there with the Tennessee Titans and you should absolutely not be shocked and it's their needs again to maybe attack both lines yeah right and you know you get Derrick Henry at the top of the second A.J. Brown in the second they didn't count you know but I mean you got some quality in there but it's clearly a trend Uh, another trend here is Denver yeah moving along to the AFC West those Denver Broncos so They've owned 11 top 50 picks in the past six drafts. That's not startling. But only two of those 11 have been on defensive players, Bradley Chubb and Patrick Sertain. Good players. And I'm trying to think of the offensive players. So Jerry, Judy. I'm sure it's like Bowles and Judy. Ah, Bowles, yeah, there you go. Devontae Williams, Locke. Oh, Locke, yeah. They, they they haven't gotten there, yeah. they Cortland haven't gotten Sutton. a lot of yeah. Cortland Sutton was early Fant. too, right? As was Fant. Yeah. So you know, and uh, really, I mean, yeah, they missed on Locke, which was a big one. So you plug in a quarterback, do the rest of those guys, and then you start talking about Judy Fant, Cortland Sutton in a different way. It's like, okay, yeah, looks, right, these, right. They Enjoy hit on these guys, but they didn't have the quarterback to show how good these players were. And now we'll see, yep. you know, interesting. So they, they have drafted heavily in the offensive side of the ball at top 50 picks. And, and a healthy Bradley Chubb was, was going to be a superstar player. We'll see what that career ends up turning out to be. Yeah, and him coming back will be helpful, obviously. We'll see where he's at. Kansas City Chiefs. So they traded up to get Pat Mahomes. Some people forget that in 2017. They were a playoff team with Alex Smith at that time. But since then, their average first selection, and I think this contributes to the Tyree Kill trade, has been 49th overall. So, on average, since they drafted Mahomes, they've brought the 49th best player in as their prize, you know, rookie class. And I think that contributes to we need a ton more picks. You know, we, we just haven't brought in enough good youth. And some of those guys have been like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire that haven't been great. You know, he's, he's even earlier than the 49th pick overall. Last year, they traded a first-round pick for Orlando Brown. So, you're, 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 you're averaging the 49th pick overall as your first selection for five, six years. It wears on you. It wears on you. Yeah, it's hard to build a, a ton of talent that way. And I know some teams have done it on purpose. And you see, we talked about teams that are good, that trade down a lot, that add a lot of picks. So if, you're, if your average starting spot is 49, that's not ideal to get 
a bunch of star, high-caliber, difference-making players, but you better be drafting a lot in that 49 to 60 area, you know, that 49 to, mm-hmm. to 90 area. A lot of seconds, a lot of thirds, if that's the case, and, and you better be hitting on some of those players to, to make an impact for your roster. But, you know, it's funny. I see the Chiefs' Diddy, and I see Patrick Mahomes and trading up for him in 2017, and I, this is a Cleveland Browns' Diddy to me because that the <laughs> Cleveland Browns, we talked about their ineptitude. They were finally on the clock, a superstar quarterback sitting there, and then that's the time they trade out of the pick instead of all the other times. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, you know, I, you know much more to add to it, but boy, that, that stretch for the Browns was really, really poor. They did nail the Miles Garrett pick at number one, though. So got to give him credit. They did. Him. You should always nail the number one pick, and I'm not when it's, picking on Baker, but, you know. <laughs> when, it's, when it's that, that was the most obvious number one pick in a while. Yeah, that absolutely was. I always say my, my sister and my daughter could draft LeBron. Right. And the <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders have had a rough go uh, in the Gruden Mayock era, and and I was really excited for the Mayock era to see him go from TV and get a chance to run a team, but man, um, the the first rounds have been pretty disastrous. They have been, and this is a trend that some teams fall into. And and frankly, during my time with the Browns, this was a trend going on with the Browns was the Butch Davis regime would only draft dudes from Florida that he recruited at Miami or that he played against <laughs> at big East, you know, like we were, we were had a, a smaller deck of cards than the rest of the league. If you go back and look at those drafts, they're all big East dudes he played against or dudes he recruited. And this Raiders under Mayock and Gruden, which is now, you know, not around, they drafted a Bama dude in the first round for three straight years. Now that's a great school to go from, but sometimes it gets too much as a mutt is too much, you know, and in those last three draft classes, they took eight guys from Alabama or Clemson, you know, like Cleveland Farrell, they didn't have to take that early. You know, it was just because he's a Clemson guy, you know? Yeah. And they didn't get to bring Nick Saban over. They didn't get to bring <laughs> Dabo Sweeney over. The they, recruiting they didn't classes. get to bring yeah. uh, the rest right. of the recruiting classes. Yeah. They didn't get to bring Trevor Lawrence with them. So. My last one's kind of boring. Um, Chargers, since 2010, they've had 13 first-round picks, six on offense, seven on defense. I mean, so it's right down the middle. Right down the middle. Okay, just hitting yeah. the fairway. Good job, Chargers. It's worked out yeah. for them. It's yeah. worked out for them. They've built a pretty good roster and going for it this year. I, I can't wait to watch that team. So, good yeah. job. Yeah, and they're in great shape. You know, they could go offense. They could go defense. Yeah. You know. Okay. You know what's funny here is – the outliers, because <laughs> in some ways the outliers have been okay, right? Because and you're trying to find you know what's extreme about any of these. It's almost as if maybe if you're just not extreme, you're going to be okay. And maybe that's what the Los Angeles Chargers Diddy tells us. Yeah, maybe it is. You know, maybe you're never in bad enough shape where I got to go three straight years of drafting offense, or you know, we'll just kind of take the. And I feel like this year sets up the best for them too. Like. I'm sure they'd love to grab a right tackle, but if Trevor Penning's gone, they'll take a corner. You know, okay, good. And I guess you have to get lucky that the year you have a top six pick, you have a a really good quarterback there to draft because some teams, like in this year's class, don't have that. It's like, man, we could use a quarterback right now. It's too bad there's no Justin Herberts this year. But maybe there is. Who knows? We'll see see how these quarterbacks turn out. Or if Miami took Herbert over to her, you know. Right. Some of this is locked, too. And remember, the talk then was, oh, the Chargers have to trade in front of Miami to draft two of themselves. And to their credit, Nobody wants to get stuck with Herbert. Yeah. uh, Herbert was a really divisive prospect. And so, to the Chargers' credit, they held their water. They stayed back. And they drafted Herbert at six and didn't have to even move up for him. Right. Boy, poor Chargers got stuck with Herbert at six. (laughs) Yeah. 
It's exact stuff. science, folks, obviously. Yeah, great stuff. That is the AFC side of Matt Williamson's draft ditties. We'll get into the NFC notes on Monday, along with the latest news. Thanks for making us your first listen. For your second listen, check out Matt doing the Locked On Dynasty podcast. Uh, I'm doing Locked On 49ers. Your team is covered right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Check out Locked On NFL Draft as well, co-hosted by Eric Crocker and Ryan Tracy, talking about the draft every day. Matt and I back next week right here. Peacock and Williamson.